go down in Shadows Fall. Welcome to a world of mysteries, of conspiracies, of hidden and forgotten knowledge. There's a world more strange, more frightening, and more fascinating than most people ever imagined or dared to contemplate. Your parents, your teachers, never told you the whole story, either out of ignorance or fear. Your politicians may know, but they keep their mouths shut. The door is opening. Throw off your chains and blinders, arm yourselves with the truth, and take a walk along the razor-sharp precipice of the Outer Edge. You are listening to The Outer Edge. I'm Tim Swartz. With me tonight is Mike Mott. Mike, how are you doing tonight here on The Edge? The Edge of the Outer. <laughs> the Edge of the Outer. The Edge of the Outer. Any, we're okay. <laughs> uh, I'm doing great, man. It was, a, it, was a, it was a very busy week and just lots of stuff going on. And, you know, it passed real fast. And here we are again. It just seems like it was a few days ago and we had... Uh, uh, Tracy Twyman on the show, and that was a weird uh, show, I must say, with all the technical difficulties and weird things that happened during that. But uh, <laughs> hopefully tonight will go smoothly because we're not uh, we're not dealing with delving into the forbidden tonight. So maybe everything will be cool. Oh, but see, I like I like delving into the forbidden. You know, I mean, yeah. just slap, yeah. slap it in its face. And, That's true. You know, and, and call it way, my have, bitch. Have you, know? have you fed Mothman tonight? <laughs> no. Uh, unfortunately, You're I gonna have to change the papers, man. He looks, he's looking uh, kind of pathetic over there in his uh, cage. <laughs> well, you know, I took Mothman out for a walk. Oh, okay, good. Earlier. So you got to watch mean, out. Yeah. He'll fly back off to Seattle again. Yeah, he had a good time and, you know, just, uh, you know, got a little sunshine and, you know, chased <laughs> the neighborhood dogs a bit. And, uh, <laughs> so it was a good time. It was a good time had by all. Man, just keep him away from bridges. <laughs> that's right oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> too soon too soon yeah that's right no i just want i wanted to bring something up um, sure. you know talking about uh, a mothman and uh things like that um i was reading linda uh, godfrey's blog uh now you know you know you know linda godfrey right and uh, I'd love to get her on the show sometime. Yeah, but, we had uh, her on the other show. Were you on the show when we had her on? No, no, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't it was on right there. Before you came on, yeah, she was a great guest. She really was. Yeah. But I guess that uh, I guess she doesn't like to uh, to stay up as late. So maybe you know, maybe sometime we can do like a pre-recording. Maybe we should you know? because she, she was a great guest. Mm-hmm. But, I haven't seen the book, but I haven't read it yet. So I've been meaning to. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I have it, and I have read uh, some of it, and it's uh, really, really interesting. And uh, the uh, um, uh, uh, the one blog that, uh, let's see, she did this, so it was a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking, you know, this is a subject now that has uh, always kind of fascinated me. It's the uh, big birds bursting out all over. When you were talking about the Mothman, that got me thinking about that. You know, uh, Thunderbirds and uh, people who have seen... Um, just really abnormally large birds. Right. Um, in, you know, I mean, in places where, you know, you don't normally see those, uh, uh, kinds of, uh, of birds. I mean, um, you know, here in Indiana, just, uh, you know, right next door to us is Illinois. And Illinois saw a spate in the, uh, kind of like the, the middle to mid seventies 
right. of uh, Thunderbird sightings, as they called it. And, I mean, there was a, like a, a, a film taken of it, and there was a kid who actually, um, he was out playing in his yard, and one swooped down and grabbed him by his shoulders and actually lifted him off his gra- off the ground, and his mom saw it as well. Right. So, I mean, you, you had two witnesses. And, you know, to this day, I guess that kid, I mean, he still... I mean, he's an adult now, and I mean, you know, if if it was a hoax, if for some odd reason, you know, the two of them were, you know, conspiring to see, to do some kind of stupid hoax, God, you know, right, I, I don't know right. why, but I mean, he still insists that it happened. Well, you know, I mean, Carl Schuker recently, and by recently, I mean the last couple of years, he did a, uh, an article looking at something that I remember reading about, you know, when I was a kid, uh, a bird called Washington's Eagle. That was described, I believe, by George Washington, but uh, mm-hmm. it's or maybe it was just named after him. But anyway, uh, John James Audubon claimed that this thing was still around, and he had seen it, and he did paintings of it, and it is significantly larger than than the bald eagle or the golden eagle. Mm-hmm. They used to call it the great eagle or the great sea eagle, the bird of Washington, Washington's eagle, uh, but it was supposed to have a three point one meter wingspan. Wingspan, mm. excuse me. So it was, it was huge. And, you know, if you see something that large flying around, or even something as large as a condor, um, and it's already of huge size, and then you see it, say, against the backdrop of the sky, it may look even much larger than it is, even though it's right. already huge. Um, you know, so, but, you know, an animal like that, there would be no reason whatsoever that it would not try to take a small child, because, you know, it's it's big enough to do that. So, well, it's just you know, to me, it's uh, I suppose it's like the same uh, you know same phenomenon as Bigfoot. You know, I mean, you know, people see these you know these large hairy creatures running around when you know for the most part, it's you, you would think it would be really hard. For something like that to stay hidden for most of the time, right? And, and, and the same way with uh, you know these big birds. Well, I, mean, I know there have been some big bird sightings, you know, all, all over the United States, but even in Kentucky, which is where tonight's guest is from. Mm-hmm. But uh, I believe, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Audubon actually had, had uh, four sightings of the so-called Washington's eagle, this giant oh, he, eagle he, in he Kentucky. Claimed, he claimed he shot one and, yeah, and had it yeah. and had its carcass. Yeah. So what happened to that? You know. There we go again, stuff disappearing. Yeah, probably the Smithsonian got a hold of it. Yeah, yeah. They, had it for, <laughs> they served it up in the cafeteria. They made hash out of it. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, something like that, I mean, it's going to do what it wants to do unless you put a stop to it. I mean, yeah, they're noble beasts and all that stuff, but let's face it, I mean, they're predators. That's what they do. So, whereas poor old Mothman mostly sticks to roadkill or people's, people's poodles or something. But yeah. Yeah, these eagles, they'll, they'll, uh, you know, if you look in, in, uh, um, Africa, there, there's a variety of eagle there that will attack large monkeys and kill them, you know, and, uh, really? eat their brains. Yeah. It's the first thing it does is eat the brain. So, yeah, Yummy. man, they're, uh, they're savage things. They really are. Huh. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's just, as far as I know, you know, here in the Midwest, I mean, there aren't any, uh, there aren't any birds big enough. To actually, you know, swoop down and pick up a small child. So, I mean, as far as you know, know. Well, yeah, but I mean, so I mean, you know, we're talking yeah. about an, uh, you know, a, 
an anomalous <laughs> right right an well, anomalous see, creature you have to wonder where populations you know uh, extant populations of some of these giant bird species could species could be i mean even uh some of the things that people think are, are out west that they think they're seeing small dinosaurs you know uh think i saw a t-rex that kind of thing you hear this they look like little t-rexes they look like velociraptors uh, you know my suspicion is that they may be seeing terror birds you know um mm-hmm. which look like dinosaurs um, hmm. you know they're about the right size to be yeah. a small dinosaur and, and they're very fast and you know and they were very very scary creatures so you know um these things could all still be around but the, you know where where are these relic populations going to hide it's going to have to be somewhere remote somewhere with a lot of uh a cover of some sort it seems like a lot of these things are coming out either at night or else you know at dusk or dawn or something like that you don't really see them a lot during the, the middle of the day you know what i mean when it's really well i know well yeah. i know that uh i know that some people uh say that uh they're migratory uh, from, say, like uh, uh, Mexico or Central America. Yeah, I've heard there's some caves in Mexico where these things have been seen. They've seen them actually living in caves in some of the mountains down there. Some of these giant birds that are just, you know, big enough to, you know, big as, a, as tall as a man, basically. Um, so that's a scary thought, you know. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just just a little bit. Uh, well, you know, um, I knew uh, uh, some people who claimed that um, around the um, the Anderson Mounds, uh, Anderson Mount Park in uh, uh, Anderson, Indiana, which yeah. is a group of um, uh, you know supposedly you know Native American uh, uh, burial sites or, or, or mounds. Uh, you know, whatever you, whatever you want to call them, that uh, um, that they had seen abnormally large birds in that uh, right. in that area. That they claimed actually that they looked like um, big crows. Wow! Yeah, uh, rather yeah, as intelligent as crows are. That's that's also a, uh, sort of a scary thought. Well, I mean, insti- instead of. Um, because a lot of these Thunderbird sightings, uh, uh, the descriptions sound more like um, condors. Yeah, that's true. You know, rather than um, um, eagles or, or crows or, you know, the the, the favorite uh, uh, that, uh, you know, like the, the so-called experts say that uh, people are just seeing big uh, turkey vultures. Well, don't forget, too, though, Tim, there have been some sightings of, other than Mothman, I mean, more natural-looking creatures that somewhat resemble birds, somewhat resemble lizards, somewhat resemble pterodactyls. And, you know, these these creatures have been seen by um, credible witnesses over the years, you know, from time to time. And, and uh, you know, you have to ask again, where are these things coming from, where are they returning to? And, you know, there they was they something they called the... What was it called? The Piazza, 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 Piazza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 this thing was was uh, encountered by settlers, by Indians, Native Americans, and then by settlers. And they claimed they killed it, and it was living in again. Here's this theme: it's living in caves, um, in a bluff on the Mississippi River. And they finally had to track this this whole population down to their lair and kill them in the cave. I don't remember the exact story, but they, they basically caved it in on them. Um, 
But you hear these stories. Uh, there's some other sort of, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but, but some other recent story that has come out, even a book has come about about some monster uh, flying creature that came out of a mine. You know what I'm talking about? Somewhere in the Midwest. Hmm. Um, I'd have yeah, to look I, I, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds familiar. I, yeah. I, 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 so, I, can't, I can't place it right now, but yeah, you know, I, heard, I heard that one. Yeah, you keep getting these these same the same theme again. You know these these big birds lay up during the day. Just it's or these big flying creatures. You know you have the you know the, the, you talked about Mexico and like you know like like I was saying the uh, the witnesses that claim they that that they've seen some of these things in Mexico. They say that they're that they that by day for the most part they stay in the caves and then at night they come out and they go hunting. You know and sheep. And, Dogs and small children <laughs> may just disappear. <laughs> so you, know, you have to wonder. You have to wonder. Yeah, they 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 only come out at night. Yes, <laughs> it, it reminds you of that movie. Remember that old great movie, Gargoyles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I remember running. It was like what was it like the Tuesday movie of the week or, or something yeah. like that. The show yeah. used to be on. Oh, I remember seeing that one. I'd like you know, you know. I need to find that on YouTube. See if I can grab it. That, that's a great movie because it's such a hoot. I wonder if David Icke was scared by that movie as a child. <laughs> uh, I think David Icke was scared by V when it originally broadcast. Yeah, probably that too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know they 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 made a uh, a bad remake of Gargoyles uh, a few years back, mm-hmm. and it just uh, yeah, it just didn't have it, didn't get it. No, it. you know, well, you know, the I don't know what I don't know what it is. Um, uh, people now, I mean, you know, they have. Um, just, I mean, uh, the easy access, really, to just great special effects right. that, you know, that a lot of these, you know, movies and television shows, you know, back when we were kids, you know, I mean, oh my gosh, they would have plots to have that kind of uh, uh, of capability. Right. I mean, heck, heck, we can do, we can do more stuff on our just regular PCs and, and Macs now that, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, would have taken days to have achieved, you know, for some of these, you know, older movies. But I think that they just they spend all of their time on uh, you know on the effects on yeah. perfecting the effects, and yeah. they, they they let the plot just go to hell in a handbag. Or the acting. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, you know, when I look back at some of the movies we used to watch, I don't think we realized how how good we had it because a lot of it, a lot of times these these older movies that have you know. Costumes and and uh, animatronic creatures and and all that type of thing and and miniatures like Harry Hollison was doing uh, those things just to me have a much more real look to them. They're more effective than a lot of CGI. And, you know, I've done a lot some CGI and it's cool and everything. And he, I, I like to mix it with the reality if I can. But mm-hmm. the thing is that these these. Uh, production companies that rely too heavily on CGI, especially for like fiction type stuff or special effects, I don't. I th- I think it comes across as cheesy. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. so slick; it doesn't look real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I, not I not always. Agree not always. But you know, a, a good bit of the time. Um, I remember when they were doing uh, special effects for like uh, um, some of these. 
TV shows, I guess about, gosh, about 10 years ago, things like there was a Sinbad show, and of course the Hercules uh, stuff was on, and my kids were watching that stuff, and the monsters were so clunky, but they were, <laughs> but they were CGI, mm-hmm. and they were still clunky. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't look as cool as, say, a guy in a clunky costume or a big clunky model would have looked. They were like, uh, they give somebody a contract. Hey, this weekend I want you to go make me some hydras and uh, a couple of, you know, a couple of harpies. Okay, I'll do that on my. I think at the time they were probably using like uh, alien skin or some or, or whatever it's called, some something weird. like that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it just didn't. It just didn't have the look that it needed to have. Just didn't fly. Nah, didn't get it. <laughs> but anyway, um, what else have you been doing? How's your week? Oh, uh, just uh, 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 normal, normal week at the uh, uh, Conspiracy Journal headquarters. You know, That's, just, good. Uh, That's good. <laughs> Any major new conspiracies going on? Oh well, just the just the conspiracy of uh, uh, trying to replace my old computer with a new one. So yeah, that, that's some crazy <laughs> stuff, isn't it? And listen, um, you know this this week was weird. Uh, I I've always got all kinds of stuff going on you know <laughs> stuff here that here where i here in my inner sanctum <laughs> and uh you know that stuff here stuff there stuff outside um projects i'm working on but i do have a, another uh publishing thing i'll be announcing soon oh, cool. <clears throat> so yeah i just uh got the final word on that this week so that'll be an announcement coming up and uh just all kinds of weirdness been going on you know i i uh Speaking of birds and birds being smart and birds being dangerous and mean, you know, we, we got some chickens for, we've had chickens for a little while just, just to have our free range chickens, you know. Well, sure. And, yeah. And we feed them and they go out and eat, you know, whatever they can find and, you know, no antibiotics, no, no chemicals, that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're, they're very, uh, cool. They get used to you being around. They they come and go as they please. We, we taught the dogs to leave them alone, so they kind of you know they'll go take food away from the big dogs, which is pretty funny to watch. Actually, <laughs> see the look of frustration on the dog's face. Like, oh my god, <laughs> what do I do now? But we had this one chicken who, from the beginning, man, she was just just off. You know, aggressive to the other chickens. Um, just kind of, she would sulk in the nest for days at a time. Then it, it got to where she would try to run the other chickens away from their eggs and like force them to leave and let her sit on the eggs. And she'd get them all together in a cluster and like, these are my eggs. They're all mine. Wow. So, uh, yeah, then we had a problem with a, with a snake, you know, and I, I almost got the snake one time and it got away. Um, yeah. And that really made her freak out. That's when she really started kind of staying in the nest all the time. Mm-hmm. But the snake got a few eggs, you know, on a few different occasions. Well, we moved this pin. It's a portable pin. And so my son and I would move it around. We moved it up closer to the house so that the snake wouldn't be so bold to come up, you know, here in, in the front yard. And eggs started still, you know, getting messed up. And mm-hmm. But instead of being crushed, they would just have a hole knocked in them. And something was eating the insides out of them. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was about, oh, gosh, about three, four days ago, I went out to get an egg and she'd been on the nest all day. And I'm like, you need to get out, you know, you need to leave the nest. So I, and she's real aggressive. She's, she actually had killed a couple of the chickens over time. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. So I, I kind of shoot her off the nest and I mean, she was going to fight me. 
She was going to peck me. She was going to attack me. <laughs> and when she realized I was about to get that egg, she darted her head in and intentionally poked a hole in her egg, the egg that she was sitting on. So then I was like, I can't believe it. So I went to get, I went and got somebody to come witness this. And we came back out and this chicken was eating the egg. Huh. Yeah. So this was our culprit as who, who has been picking holes in everybody's eggs and eating them, not crushing them like a snake does and regurgitating the shell. So I'm thinking, okay, well, you're going to end up in the stew pot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It hasn't happened yet. It's about time. So I went out there this morning to walk my little dog and, uh, there was a chicken. There was a, there was a smaller chicken that was getting, you know, beat up on quite a bit by this larger chicken. Mm-hmm. And I went out there and the, the, the smell of blood was mm-hmm. so heavy in the air. I mean, you could smell it from like, you know, 50 feet away. And this poor little chicken was in there just running around. Her whole back end was just, I don't even describe it. So I went over there and I could tell who the culprit was, of course. But the others, when they smell that blood, they all kind of get, you know, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, aggressive and and predatory. So they oh, were all kind of getting after her, and but I knew who it, the culprit was because her head was basically covered in blood, hmm. and it was like a misty bloodiness everywhere. Oh, so God. we got all the other chickens out, and the other one was so messed up. I knew I was going to put her out of her misery. Stu- you know, if you let her run around like that, she'll attract attract a predator. Oh sure, oh yeah, and, and so or tempt the dogs, you know, to lose their training and that type of thing. Well, yeah, um, she's running yeah. around. The dog's going to chase yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. And, she's, and they didn't, to their credit. They wanted to, but, but you know, you know, they they knew not to. But uh, this uh, this bad chicken, <laughs> we'll call her that. Bad, bad chicken. chicken. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I left her in there. I, I left her isolated. And then after a while, my son and I took her out and... Uh, um, Let's just say that she met her demise finally after all these, after a year, really. She met her demise, and she cooked all day. And I got to say, she was pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. I mean, you know, for a mean, psychotic, cannibalistic, um, totally whacked out, predatory, psychopathic bird, she tasted pretty damn good. <laughs> so when you think about how crazy that chicken was, and then you think about something that's a bird that's probably, if it's a terror bird, it's six, seven feet tall. If it's one of these flying giants, it's going to be five, six feet tall standing on us. You know, that, that's not a pleasant picture. No. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't uh, wouldn't want to face uh face that yeah well you know, people don't realize how 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 fast you know they're just like you know just like as think as fast as a snake will strike a bird's head you know a big aggressive bird i mean it's it's that fast i mean mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well i mean we have uh, we have around here um you know uh red tail hawks yeah you know an abundant of them and um you know, and we like to, uh, you know, we like to feed the birds. I mean, you know, we have bird feeders out and everything like that. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, especially in the winter time, uh, boy, the the poor little birds have to be careful because there are several red-tailed hawks and you know around here that I mean they'll just they'll just pick those little songbirds off. <clears throat> uh, mostly it's the doves. I mean they they really go after the doves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you know, the doves just can't get away uh, fast enough. But I mean it's just. 
it's amazing how quickly and out of nowhere those red tail hawks yeah. will hit. Yeah, I, I, I love watching them, and, I, and, oh, I, and yeah. I like having them around. And I'm I'm surprised that we you know haven't lost any of these few chickens. Now we're down to two. From eight, we're down to two. I'm oh, surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised at how many we that, but that we haven't lost any two two hawks because we've got hawks like you said, red tails, and even uh, some some falcons, some peregrines were here for a while, and we've got bald eagles here. Yeah. And we see them all the time, and right even out here, you know, flying over the yard, uh, we've had a couple land down in the yard. Um, it's a big yard, you know, it's like a field kind of. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, you know, I'm just amazed that they haven't snagged the chicken by now, you know. <laughs> but uh, they have. Yeah, well, that's that's the unfortunate thing about chickens. I mean, you know, I, uh, uh, I we used to we used to have chickens, and uh, unfortunately, everything. Everything wants to eat them. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're oh, yeah. they're, they're like popcorn to everything else. <laughs> I they mean, are. There, are, there are things that will eat chickens that you wouldn't think would, you know, uh, yeah. you know, would have the gumption to eat chickens. Right. Even, <laughs> even as we say here in the South, a possum. Yeah. You probably, they say up north, an opossum. No, we don't call them the Irish variety. Who call? But, yeah, yeah, we. Yeah, we, but uh, uh, yeah, the. Even a possum will kill and eat a chicken, you know, and that, yeah. that's something because possums aren't real bold, you know. No, no, they're not. <laughs> but but uh, this this chicken that that had to meet her demise today, she really had gotten too big for her feathers. I mean, she she thought she really could just, you know, I mean, even standing up to humans and acting real aggressive. So, yeah, her her her, her time was up. She had to go and. And she went in glorious fashion, I must say. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. Before we talk about uh, uh, who our upcoming guest is, uh, I just want to mention that uh, this Thursday at 9 o'clock on History 2, Ancient Aliens, is the episode, The Tesla um, ex- Experiment. Oh, cool. Which uh, uh, supposedly, uh, from what I've heard from uh, uh, people, that uh, you know, I am uh, uh, on at least several times. You are, you are. You're. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. You're in several times. See it. I haven't even had a chance to see it. So you know. (laughs) And I'm still waiting here when the episodes that I'm going to be be on or in will be airing. I'm not. You know, I've told. I've been told sometime in October. So we'll see what happens. Um, I don't. Who knows? You know, they're still working on it. I know. have they given you an episode name? Yeah, but I'm hesitant to say it before they're ready for it to be released. You know what I mean? Okay, okay, all right. But yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's related to the to the uh, uh, the topic of of a couple of my books. So topics of a couple of my books, um, the Shaver Mysteries one, and the Shaver Rock books, and uh, of course, Caverns, Cultures, and Concealed Creatures in general is one. So it should be pretty interesting, I think. Um, but uh, we'll see when it happens. Hopefully it'll happen soon. So, All right. Yeah. So uh, who's, our, who's our guest tonight, Mike? Well, tonight we're having a, a really cool guest, a uh, guy named Nick Keen. Nick Brutal Keen is his, his uh, musical name. He's a musician. He's actually a, a rapper. He's a writer. He's, he's starting to write uh, uh, horror, very interesting short fiction, kind of stream of consciousness type stuff. It's really cool. Um, he, he's into the paranormal, um, survival. He does uh, uh, prepping and survivalist stuff. He's an outdoorsman. Just an interesting guy. Um, should be a lot of fun talk to talk to him because he and I have a lot in common. And uh, so we'll have a lot of fun, I think. And by the way, 
I do want to talk talk to him about his uh, his music a bit too because his you know he's from Kentucky but he's mm-hmm. doing rap so I think that's kind of cool. Um, well, I've got uh, I've got his uh, his song here. Do you want right. to uh, do you want to play it uh, uh, now as we go into yeah. our break, or you want to wait? Let's, do you play let's it do now? that. Let's take it okay. into break, and we'll we'll start off with his song, which is called "A Revelation" by okay. Nick Brutal, and we'll be right back with the Outer Edge. All right, here we go. It is about the implementation of the mark of the beast. I spoke to you about that, I think, two weeks ago. We addressed Revelation chapter 13, verses 16, 17, and 18. And he calls it all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hands, or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, say he had the mark or the name or the number of the beast. Here is wisdom. Let him that have understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. His number is six hundred three score and six. They said Halloween 2012 Just to wrap through sets from hell Three slices cross the juggles of vein Before it fell Pull back the veil That's where it gets thin Feel that knife along the side of his ribs And crawl inside his skin Wearing asshole Non-believer like a bathrobe Splash foes with acid scar face Reversal speech in this verse If you wanna hear Satan When we speaking back We're sharpening up the swords and battle axes Barking up the skies on the doomed planet As it spins off its axis Let the trumpets go on and blow As the earthquakes and the dirt shakes down below the ground splits and starts steaming UFOs coming through them stargates And earth gets flooded by abominations Revelations try to tell the people Battle with a God's patience Prophesied vision what they were seeing You gonna live on your knees Or die on your feet for what you believe in huh? Proverbs 27, 12 says A wise man foresees trouble coming And takes refuge But the simple pass on And are punished They're not punished in a punitive way I'm thinking that I can be waking up early today. I'm thinking the early birds are first to get up and they get a taste. I'm thinking it's strange, a little bit different now the time and it's changed. Cause nowadays it's sending the word to deliver a bird to my place. The first name is what I've been stuck with since an earlier age. Never did give me a nickname, forget it, I'm flipping the page. Just give it a minute and I'ma be living up in a particular place. But the living is similar to the religion that tell me I gotta quit living to get in the gates. Man, I could be tripping, but lately living with demons. 3.33, sun is sleeping. I'm wide awake out here breathing. I'm shaking like it was freezing. Pray to the one to believe it. Not even thinking the one to believe it could be the one peeping up into my window this you would have believed it if you knew what I believed in this voodoo telekinesis, genetic infected features, reject and neglect belief, or walk with the beast hand in hand. Talk to me in words I can't understand. This is the plan of man. The world is hemorrhaging. The world is in travail. Romans 8 tells us that. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. 
Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now, this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well, it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep. It might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by The Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. It's fantastic. Remember, Future Theater can be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Hi, Caramba. Burns, and we are broadcasting live right here on PSN Radio. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to The Outer Edge Radio with William Michael Mott and Tim Schwartz. Only on PSN Radio. Welcome back to The Outer Edge. I'm William Michael Mott, Mike to my friends, here with my friend Tim Schwartz. And um, tonight, if you want to call us, call us at 786-245-8127. However, call us in the last 30 or 40 minutes of the show. 30 to 40 minutes of the show. That's um, right before 1 o'clock from 1230-ish, 1220-ish EST, Eastern Time, till 1 because we've got to have a lot to talk about, and we're expecting new people to call in tonight. So 786-245-8127. You can, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio, And, of course, you can listen right here on this page that goes with the show if you're listening. And or you can, and, or you can just uh, pretend like you're listening, and we'll pretend like you are too. So anyway, <laughs> we have a very special guest tonight, a uh, man who needs little introduction, uh, Nick Brutal Keen. Nick is uh, uh, an outdoorsman, a uh, cataclysmic prepper. He's ready to survive. He's ready to rock and roll. He's ready to rap into doomsday. He's a musician. He's a survivor. And here he is. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Pretty good, man. What's you up to? What, what's your poison tonight? Uh, actually, it's it's coffee tonight. So <laughs> yeah. had to get a little nap in earlier and drink some coffee. I knew it was going to be a late one. So that's right. That's yeah, right. this is our one late night a week, isn't it, Tim? <laughs> yes, that's right. And, and <laughs> I, I agree with him. I mean, this time of night, coffee is uh, is definitely my beverage. Yep, nothing wrong with that. 
That's right. <laughs> well, man, I was just looking over at your uh, Cataclysm page earlier today. Uh, tell, tell people about it. Clata- cataclysmic. So- uh, yeah, Cataclysm Provisions. It's a, um, it's a, a Facebook group, and uh, we pretty much put it together just as kind of like an open forum for people to talk about different stuff, uh, conspiracy theories, survival, um, current events, you name it. And uh, right. it, it just kind of ballooned out from there, and so right. It's a, it's a cool it's a cool page, and and I saw that you guys were talking about a lot of uh, uh, Kentucky stuff on there tonight, uh, different mysteries. You know, Kentucky's right smack dab, and that's a big dab too in the middle of weirdness. I mean, you guys have a lot of really strange uh, folklore, uh, uh, eyewitness accounts, just all kinds of weird stuff, right? You aren't kidding, man. It, it's a uh, it's definitely rich soil here. For that kind of stuff. Yeah, it seems like Kentucky and West Virginia just are sitting on top of something that's bubbling up from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of seems. It's funny. It's funny you mentioned that too, because uh, next week we're taking a trip down to Mammoth Cave, and uh, for you to say bubbling up from from beneath this kind of uh, yeah revelatory, because uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of different stuff about Mammoth Cave, and I just want to go check it out for myself. Uh, yeah, I know yeah. the UN recently. Or not, maybe not recently, but like within the last few years, declared it a, a biosphere and kind of shut down different parts of the cave to yeah. the public. So, yeah, you know, it, it's weird when you when you're dealing with caves. Sometimes they will do that for conservation because you know knuckleheads will go in there and, oh, and yeah. urinate and spray paint on the walls and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff and get drunk and fall down and you know destroy delicate. Things that you've taken thousands and or even millions of years to form, right? But uh, at the same time, though, a lot of times, you know, they'll do that. I think to keep from being sued. Say somebody goes down there and gets hurt, yeah, in a dangerous area. But the, there are times when you have to wonder why are they doing this particular cave or this particular section of a cave? I know right. that people have, yeah, people have been lost in Mammoth Cave, you know, yeah. over the years. And, and, and when you and when you have rumors of it being an entrance to deep earth, that's kind of yes. and then you see yes. the UN sweep in and say, you know what, that's off limits for you, but we'll, we'll take care of it. Then well, it's kind of like yeah, that makes you, know, you a little wary, you know. Have you ever read a book called Edadorfa? I haven't actually. I'm looking forward to this book by this author named um, Cauldrons and Concealed Creatures. That uh, oh yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be looking forward to that in the next week or so. I'm oh, trying cool. to get an autographed copy, but I don't know. They said the author yeah, we'll was elusive, we'll so we'll see. Oh, I don't know. It's, you're going to have a hard time getting an autographed copy from, <laughs> from that author. He's a diva. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is. But, yeah, you know, uh, Mammoth Cave is cool because, I mean, you know, the uh, the Native Americans thought it was kind of a haunted spiritual place. And then this book, Edadorfa, came out in the 1800s, which mm-hmm. was fiction, but you know, some people think it's not fiction, of course, and it, it it deals with this guy's trip down through Mammoth Cave and into the various layers of the inner earth and the various creatures and entities he encounters, you know, inside the earth. And then there's the true story of Floyd Collins, and uh, Floyd Collins was a guy who his family owned land adjacent to Mammoth Cave, and it had a cave on it on their land called Crystal Cave. And they suspected that there was a, a way to join it up with Mammoth Cave if it, if there was a, a an entrance or a passageway that connected them, then they could stand to make a lot of money. They could open up, you know, even it, it, they would draw more people to their, their right. attraction or whatever. 
And so he went down looking for these other ways through, and he found a crack in a wall, uh, in a, you know, in the, in the rock, and decided, that, you know, skinny little guy that he was, that he was going to crawl through this crack. Hmm. So, and this is something, you know, I've, I've been caving a few times, and I don't much care for it for reasons like this. He crawled through this really tight place, and he got, you know, his four part of his body through, and he got stuck. Oh, uh, God. And his legs would not move. He, he was stuck, period. He couldn't go back or forward at all. Yeah. And so they found him there, and he was still alive. And they talked to him, and it was a big rescue operation, a big news story. And, of course, some people say he was becoming delirious. But he started saying that you know he was seeing lights. And then after a while, he said there were little people that were coming over and looking at him. You know what? I think I do remember hearing about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and that they were making faces at him. Oh, my God. And yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, he he basically died there, stuck in that hole. Um, And, you know, when you, you look at stories, you say, oh, that guy, you know, he was delirious. He didn't have any water. Um, he was in shock. And I'm sure all that's true. But then you look at stories about people who are in cave-ins and mines in caves and tunnels, and they tell they tell the same kind of stories that they see figures that shouldn't be there. They hear voices. They hear music. Um, they see apparitions. They see physical figures. They hear knockings and tappings. You know, and this is something that has just you know there are literally hundreds or maybe even thousands of accounts of this phenomena, these various phenomena over the over the centuries, and a lot you know even in the twentieth century. So. You know, Mammoth Cave is a mysterious place, um, definitely. But yeah, many, many I can't wait to are. check it out. So, uh, I was looking at your uh, some of your stories that you got going on. Mm-hmm. What you, what, what's, your, what's your inspiration for your fiction? Uh, really, it's like I was saying on the actual Conversations podcast. It just um, it's almost like somebody flips a switch in my head, and I just have to write it. Um, right. It's it's not really like I sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to write a story about this. It's yeah. like uh, the the first one that got me started was my wife sent me a picture of um, this guy named Edward Mordrake. And uh, basically the story behind him was he was born uh, with a deformity that there was another face on on the back of his head. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah. And so she sent me she sent me this little picture and it had just a brief summary of it. And I looked at it and. It was like uh, just a whole picture of the whole story just was there immediately in my head. And it yeah. brought Edward Mordrake into modern times and was kind of like how somebody nowadays would deal with having that kind of problem. And yeah. uh, it, the same result wound up in my story is what happened in, in, in the actual story of him. Right. It right. was just had a modern twist on it. So Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah he went insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you got I mean, a face thing, on the back of your head whispering yeah. to you that, that whispering to the trick. <laughs> you know, I always wondered if they shared the brain at all. Well, see, that kind of I kind of explored that in the story a little bit. Um, just as spoiler alert, basically the gist of it was um, Edward Mordrake was trying to live a normal life, um, but his brother that they didn't they didn't share a brain that he knew of. Right. And, but his brother could read his thoughts. By the end of the story, he realized his brother could read what he was thinking and right. could, could you know, was aware of all this terrible stuff that he, he wished on his on his deformity of his brother. And uh, yeah. 
he, he basically was hoping to get a surgery to remove it and he yeah. wound up opting for suicide and uh basically Man. right be- right before he jumped he realized his brother just loved him and just wanted to live but Man. you know so it was basically the Cain and Abel story overlaid into um, a, a deformity story. So <laughs> a deformity story. Yeah, you know, but you're I'm, not sure who's Cain and who's Abel until the end. Yeah, of it. yeah, that's pretty cool. It sounds like the the Cain, I guess, would have been the the, the functional guy, more or less. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it actually wound up being him. Yeah, yeah. but you know, I, I was looking at a lot of your stories, uh, you know, because you post them in different groups and stuff, and and you know, I I see. A, a lot of raw talent here. I, I see that, you know, you've really got something if you'll just keep with it because I guess it, it's kind of like I, I described this stream of consciousness. I mean, you just get started and it's just rolling. It just rolls out of you. Thanks. I appreciate that. That's, that's what it, that means. Well, that's what it looks like. And it it kind of reminds me of the way that, say, since your music is basically sort of like Kentucky rap, right? Yeah. I- I guess that that'd be a good way to describe it. Um, but but in the same way that rap kind of, it's just a stream, and a lot of times it's spontaneous. That's yeah. kind of what I see with 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 the way you write too. Yeah, that's kind of how the writing process came about with the music too. Is it just it's like somebody flips a switch and you're taking dictation. You have to just write it down before it leaves. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Have yep. you seen a show called Justified? I saw one or two episodes of it. Um, yeah. is, is that the one that has kind of like a rap song? Yeah, it's got some, it, Kentucky, yeah some Kentucky guys or uh, some uh, Appalachian guys who rap. It's pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, we'll see. One of the, um, if I'm not mistaken, somebody from that song, from that theme song of Justified, worked with another artist here in Kentucky by the name of Buckshot. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm thinking they did a song together. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Okay. So, yeah, it's got a cool sound to it. Your, your stuff kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. That's a that's another good one to check out if you're listening to Kentucky rappers. Definitely check out Buckshot. And um, I think I sent you some music from Billbillies uh, too. They're really good as well. Right. They mix a lot of live instruments in with their stuff too. So it's kind of walking that line. I think their song's called Flask and a Gun, so if that tells you anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a great title. I like that. <laughs> hey, it's uh it's it's kinda my my cousin remarked one time on Facebook we were um we were having a little family get together, a little cookout, and he posted a picture and he said, Yeah, you know I'm at my family's when there's uh he took a picture of the table and he said, You know I'm at my family's house when there's a Bible and a gun and bourbon on the table all at once. <laughs> and so it was kind of like, yeah, you know, it's Kentucky for you. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a uh, a normal family reunion where I come from. Hey, good times. Where, where are you from? <laughs> uh, southern Indiana. Hey, that's you're right across the bridge from me then. What part? Uh, near Jasper. Oh, okay. Gotcha. We're, we're down closer to like uh, New Albany, Jeffersonville. That area. So. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Uh, really about just about an hour's drive uh, east of me. So, well, you wouldn't think it the way we we try to get beer down here from Indiana, and they act like it's contraband. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah, Three Floyds from uh, what's that from Muncie? I think. Right. Love that stuff. We can't get it down here. At, oh no! Just very few places. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it's a, a problem with the distribution. So, we'll see. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, they'll start shipping it in soon. 
Yeah, that's you know, there's there's weird distributional laws, you know, <laughs> around the, around this area. Yeah, so uh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, they, it's it's just a short trip though, so it's not too bad. We'll, we'll just shoot over that bridge and get some of the good stuff. <laughs> so, so where, where you're located? Are you like close to both Indiana and West Virginia? Uh, no, actually, West Virginia, where I'm at, we're on the Ohio River. Um, we're about, we're, we're like maybe a 10 minute drive from the Ohio River, but the way it snakes along the border between Kentucky and Indiana, if I wanted right. to go, if I wanted to go to Indiana, I'd have to go to the closest bridge, which is about 20, 25 minutes from here. Um, right. where we sit at, we're, uh, where I'm at right now, we're, we're basically sitting in a bowl. It's called Valley Station and it's, um, mm-hmm. it's a bowl that's surrounded by the river on one side, uh, the Waterson Expressway on the other, I-65 on the other, which runs all the way to Florida, and then the Gene Snyder on, on the other border. So, so like I said, we're sitting in a bowl, pretty much. Hmm, and it's cool. full of weirdness. It's a bowl full of weirdness. A bowl oh, of yeah. <laughs> That's pretty wild. And you're, like, really close to um, a very infamous sanatorium, aren't you? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. It's, uh, I was just looking at some stats on it today, and yeah, I had family in there when it was functional, and it yeah, it's it's a not a good place. Which which one is that? Are you talking about uh, Waverly? Yeah, it's Waverly Waverly Sanatorium. Mm-hmm. So, have you ever had any experiences up there yourself? Um, I've been up there a few times. Uh, I, I kind of steer clear of it. I was told not to um, go up there for a couple different reasons, but um, really, I've, yeah, I've been up there before. And when my family came in from South Carolina. Uh, my younger nephews were like, we're going. I said, mm-hmm. all right, go for it. And I told them which way to go. And they go up there and take some pictures. And they, they came out with some pretty interesting stuff, um, stuff coming out of windows that shouldn't. It looks like white smoke. It's just not there. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, the, the most interesting thing I've seen on Waverly, it, it's a really bad movie called Death Tunnel. The movie, I, I hate to say this, but the movie's kind of garbage. But... The extras on the DVD are worth purchasing the movie because it's the staff of the people who shot the movie and they were going around doing scouting and taking pictures of the location. And they've got just numerous faces in the woods in these pictures. Really? Yeah. They they picked up on a lot of stuff. I mean, any place where there's anywhere from 8,000 to 63,000 souls lost, that's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a heavy spot. Hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, I actually, I found out some stuff I didn't know about it today. It was when it started, it was a little small, um, there was a schoolhouse down there, but it was also a little small, uh, hospital that only seated like 30, 40 people. And then, when tuberculosis really got a foothold, it just exploded. And they had to, over the course of two years, they built that place up to the point it had its own zip code. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, well, it was, it was a, it was a isolationist. Like if you worked there, you lived there. It, it was a self-sustaining community. They had a farm, they had uh, livestock, uh, you name it. Railroad track went right up to it, uh, right at the bottom of the hill. And, 
And that wow. was it. They, they yeah, it was, it was horrible. I mean, it was like a, almost like a processing factory or something. It was yeah. really bad. Yeah, pretty much. And it, they didn't know what to do with the disease at the time. They, they hadn't come up with a cure for it. Right. You know, they, right. they were trying all kinds of stuff. They'd cut people's rib cage mm. to try to give the lungs more room to expand. Oh, they'd, that's horrible, uh, man. Yeah. They had a big open air, uh, section where they'd wheel people out in their beds in the cool weather, thinking that the cool air would, uh, alleviate their symptoms um i mean it, it was a lot of rough stuff done up there and they would That's take crazy. the bodies and slide them down the chute uh, what was called the the death tunnel what they named the movie after they would slide the bodies down the chute uh to a, a horse-drawn cart to haul them off so mm-hmm. that way the people the other patients wouldn't see them man so that's that, crazy well, wow that is that's really crazy yeah that's why the um that's why the death toll so shaky on it because they don't know they just it, like i said anywhere from eight thousand to sixty three so right that's yeah. insane and they're turning that, that into a bed and breakfast <laughs> i do not want to spend the night there no well i no. mean aren't they even doing like uh um, like uh, uh halloween haunted house tours well, uh, during october there well they do uh one one year they had actual haunted house where it was like you know the people jump out and boo you know with yeah. the face and mask on and all that but then they also do the tours where you can go in and you can stay for an hour or so on each floor and kind of tour it and see what you can see and i've talked to people that they've been in there and nothing's happened to them and they haven't seen a thing and they've come out skeptics i've talked to people who've went in there and had their hair pulled um seen people shadowing them that aren't there um there's uh, stories of a kid that's lost in there and rolling a ball back and forth. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard of that one. Yeah, it, it's uh, like I said, it's a heavy place, and I don't. I believe in attachments, so I don't even fool with it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's that's one of those places that. You know the television shows like uh, was like uh, Ghost Hunters and uh, you know, Ghost Adventures, and I think everybody has had their uh, uh, their, their hit on the place. And I mean they they made it famous, so now anybody um, who thinks that you know they're a ghost investigator or something, you know, wants to head over there and uh, check it out for themselves. Yeah, I mean I can see the curiosity in it, but it, it's I don't know. It, it's kind of like with me. If you've been so close to something and you know what's there, you kind of don't want to fool with it anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and the uh, thing about it is, is that when it uh, when it comes to a location like that, I mean, whatever is going on there, you know, call them ghosts, call them, you know, energies, you know, what have you, um, they don't just stick with the building. Right. You know, I mean, that, that that kind of energy tends to leak, so to speak. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there are probably reports that you don't hear about or, or people having experiences that, that, that we're not, you know, privy to, you know, within like a several mile uh, radius of the place. Yeah, I, I could see that. that it kind of reminds me of another story from one of the old historical homes around here, and it involves pretty much the whole area. Um, just, oh really? Just, well, yeah. It's it's just because that was when the people went missing. That was the area they searched. See, we're right down at the bottom of a hill, 
Uh, there's this hill called Maldraw Hill, and it's really steep. And when you, like I said, we're sitting in a bowl, so when you come up to the top of it, you can either turn down Highway 60, I believe it's 60, or you can keep going straight and you run into Fort Knox. So where we're sitting at, um, basically there's a street the opposite way, more toward Indiana's direction, called, right. called Greenwood. And with this, when this other event happened, a search party was sent down, and they had to search from Greenwood to the foot of Maldraw Hill, hmm. so which is probably about a twenty, probably a twenty mile uh, length in a straight line as the crow flies. So, right, it's uh, and and, and you got to consider that whole area was either farmland or forest for the most part back then. So, hmm, yeah. Well, I mean, I I know that I've I've heard stories of um, you know like a, a a particular house on a block being haunted, mm-hmm. and and families you know in houses on either side or even across the streets experience the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know the uh, it's like you know the spirits or what you know what have you uh, you know likes to. Uh, um, Likes to pay a visit, you know. So yeah. you know, go over, go over across the street, and you know, have coffee, and uh, you know, well, toss a t- you know, toss a table over or something like that. Well, think know? about <laughs> this: if you if you throw a, a pebble in a pond, those ripples are going to go outward, and eventually, what's sitting away from the epicenter is going to feel it. So. That's a really that's a good analogy, man. That's, that really is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. It is. <laughs> well, now, what, uh, um, uh, uh, what got you, what got you started, uh, you know, interested in this, uh, uh, stuff to begin with? I mean, you know, did you, did you have stuff happen to you as a kid? Or, you know, like for me, I used to hear stories from, um, my grandmother, uh, uh, her grandmother, was what uh, what was called a uh, 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 a powwower. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the term powwow. No, enlighten me. Uh, well, uh, a powwow woman was somebody who, uh, you know, because doctors were few and far between back then, um, a powwow woman was somebody who could uh, uh, cure ailments using mostly using the Bible. But you know, it basically would be like you know doing uh, uh, magic spells using right. Bible Bible verses. Wow! And uh, in particular, um, st- uh, stopping uh, bleeding, you know, because uh, you know, uh, especially if you have livestock and things like that, you know, you get something right. cut and and bleeding bad, it, it can be hard to stop. So I mean, there there were numerous spells, I guess, that you know that were used to stop bleeding. But uh, you know, what uh, what got you interested? Well, if if there's numerous spells to, spells to stop bleeding, maybe we could use her here soon. Because with the Ebola coming, uh, <laughs> we might need her in short order. Yeah, no kidding. The way things are going, yeah, yeah, pretty much. But, but no, nah, what what got me going with it? Um, I like to say I didn't take an interest in the paranormal. It took an interest in me. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I I mean, I really didn't. It, it came to me natural. Uh, it's funny you said your grandma kind of got you started on, and I remember hearing stories from my grandma about a. Um, a fireball, actually, and it's going to sound crazy, but um, hmm. where, where they used to live at, once again, it was farmland um, down in Sh- the area called Shively, and uh, there was a, a big house there that had been abandoned right across from their farm, and they would go check it out when they were younger. Her and her brothers went in it, 
And uh, I remember right. the story of her telling me when they when they went into this abandoned house, um, she was lagging behind her brothers and they went in and went upstairs. And as she comes through the door, she sees them come barreling out of the um, upstairs bedroom, running down a hallway. It was like a big open um, a common room, pretty much. And they were coming down the hallway upstairs and running down this flight of stairs and right behind them. As crazy as it sounds was a ball of fire. This is how she yeah. described it. Yeah. And, and she said it was almost like it was sentient, almost like it had its own conscience because it, it came right down the hallway behind them, made a right at the stairwell, come right down behind them. They ran out the front door. This thing came out the front door and off the porch and down the hill after them. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. These, yes, Tim and I both have, have uh, I guess, had experience with these fireball, these, these floating balls of light. Over over really? the years, yeah. That, haven't what, you, Tim? What would y'all say, ball lightning or? No, no, no. I, I'm talking about things that 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 seem to be sentient. They seem to be. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. You know that's 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 an interesting <laughs> story because uh, I have a friend that uh, um, uh, when when she was a kid, uh, she grew up in. Uh, um, uh, east of, uh, of of this location around the uh, Patoka Lake area, and uh, I'm familiar they, with Patoka. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they lived in an old farmhouse that uh, you know was like this down this this uh, uh, little dirt, basically just a little dirt road, and you know up in the trees is about a quarter of a mile from the road. And uh, the house had been built uh, probably around Civil War times, and uh, they they were renting it. And she told me that you know practically every night um, they would be up in, in the bedroom looking out the window, and they would see um, a ball of light come down this uh, this little road towards the house. They, uh, she said that it was about the size of a basketball, kind of a, uh, a, a greenish yellow in color. And it, uh, it, she said that it kind of bounced almost down the road towards the house. Wow. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and, exactly. and that it would, and then it would, you know, it, it, it would, it, you know, it would, it would vanish like behind the house. But she said that one night her, her older sister, you know, said, you know, enough of this crap. And she went downstairs and went out and waited for this thing. And when it came down, came down the road towards the house, she took off after it. And they couldn't see, you know, up in the window, they're watching this. They couldn't see her, but they said that they could see the light stop and then bounce backwards, you know, back you know, towards the road. Wow. As sister changed. The funny thing about it is, is that her sister did not see it. When she got outside, she couldn't see it. Hmm. Yeah, so that's, they that's, could, they that's could see it upstairs. Yeah, but you know that 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 kind of goes with you know. I, I guess it was about a month or two ago. I wrote an article on my blog about uh, uh, rural mysteries, and there was a story in there that that a, that a guy had given to me that his grandmother had written um, in, in rural Mississippi, and you know it sounds like a UFO encounter, but really everybody who's there saw something different. You know, it didn't look the same to everybody, and some people couldn't see it. Wow. You know, that type of thing. So you, you have to wonder sometimes if some of this stuff isn't actually some sort of a spiritual or, a, you know, more than it is, say, a UFO or, or uh, um, you know, uh, something physical. Maybe there is something uh, spiritual going on because, you know, you, you have two or three people seeing the same thing, and then somebody else can't see it or see something totally different that's also weird. That is. 
and you, you have to say, you know, um, it, it makes you wonder if it's something that it sort of feeds off of, of, of being observed, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, you know what else it brings to mind is I know you study the folklore and stuff, and I think I want to say it's either Irish or Scottish folklore. But do you remember something called either the the willow, the wisp, or the oh, yeah. swamp swamp lights, or something like that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's kind of what it reminds me of, like something that's luring. Like you said, her sister went out after it, like something right. that's exactly. And that's what I thought too. Yeah, because what what if she got up there to the road and had met her end up there? You know? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah, um, very interesting stuff. Now, you you had said earlier, you kind of digressed for a second about. Uh, uh, we may need something soon to stop bleeding. Oh. Are, are you thinking in terms of, of Ebola? Are you thinking in terms of just the craziness that our society is going into, the violence, the uh, the incursions over our border, the potential for terrorism? What all are you, or is it all of the above? I was I was referring to Ebola, but when you put it in that frame, yeah, pretty much all of the above. I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, this country, like the song said. With uh, Pastor Langford, this country is in travail. It's hemorrhaging. Yeah, it is. And and, and that's there's no other way to say it. I mean, you, as long as I've been alive, I've never seen this much uh, just turmoil on a weekly, right. week to week basis. It's something different every weekend. Well, you know what, too, Nick. I mean, it, it's as if not only do you have all this unprecedented turmoil and conflict and consternation and alarm but at the same time you have an unprecedented level of oh but it's not that bad oh but look look over here at this oh look you know um dancing with the morons is on you know i mean yeah you have this whole other thing going where it's just kind of, it's as if it's intentionally trying to d- distract you well it, it's kind of like um you know all these calamitous things have been happening for months, and for the longest time, the administration wouldn't say a word about them. They would talk about some crap, some some bullshit. Yeah, you know they, that's what they would do. And they would say, "Oh, look at this! You know, oh, I signed a, a proclamation saying it's okay to eat Twinkies on Sunday." You know, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. And meanwhile, you got you got freaking ISIS prayer mats found on the border. You know, yeah. I mean, do your damn job. That's what you were elected to do. Yeah. I, yeah, I saw somebody coin the phrase um, "weapons of mass distraction," and yeah. that, <laughs> it, it, it couldn't fit any better because that's yeah. what it is. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's watch what this hand's doing while the other one robs you or does something else. You know, it, absolutely robs you, cut your head off. One of those. And look, mm. you know, you know me. People say, well, "Where are you still dealing with the Democrats?" Blah blah blah. Look, man, I'm down with anybody that is treasonous or derelict in their actions and that goes for john mccain yeah as well as it does barack obama i mean to me it's all the elite it's the it's the elitist game there are some who are more into it than others you know and it really is sort of the machiavellian divide and conquer we'll pretend like we're adversaries and while everybody's paying attention to these little issues that we that we seem to argue about behind the scenes we're going to really stick it to them yeah. Well, you know what it is. Nobody, everybody, we live in an instant society, instant gratification, instant everything. That, I yeah. mean, so what they do is people don't want to do any digging for themselves. They want to watch Fox News or MSNBC or any of the infotainment uh, <laughs> shows and 
and just parrot whatever these things say because oh, yeah. there's no effort in that. They don't have. We well, you know what's even worse than that. As dig. bad as that is, that's terrible. But yep. there are people. There are people. Literally, there are adult people in the United States who actually think they're informed, and their only real news source are people like Bill Maher and uh, what's another dude's name? John Stewart. Yeah. Stephen Colbert. These are basically class clowns. They're buffoons. Okay, they're smart asses. They're buffoons. They have no real grasp of anything. And well, they, these are the news sources for millions of people. I love John Stewart, by the yeah. way. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> look, look, you know, it's entertainment. It's not news. It's entertainment. Yeah. And they're funny, and they make some points here and there. But th- th- this is what I tell people: is as interesting and as funny as that is, as long as you watch it and know that that's not reality, that's that's a script yeah. that they're reading from. Right. And as long as you know, okay, I can watch this and I can glean a little bit of truth from it, but it's opinion news. It's not un- nothing is unbiased. Right. You, you know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. as long as you, it, it's it's like mining for gold. You know what I mean? As long as you can get that little nugget of truth from it, because I mean, even a broke clock is right twice a day. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's about right. Yeah. That yeah. Is. But, but people get caught up in the left wing, right wing stuff, and, and they don't remember to look at the vulture that both of those wings are attached to. That's and exactly that, right. That it, it, vulture it, it, is picking us clean right now. Let, let's let's call it what it is, Nick. What, what do you call that vulture? What is it? Oh, I, I think you know what it is. It's the elite, isn't it? The global elite. The, the, uh, uh, that, that's what I think it it's, is. It's I think the, it's, yeah, it's the puppet masters. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the guys who want everything to be, you know, the way I, I see it, and I guess you may have seen me say this before, I, I believe that the ultimate goal is to create sort of a new techno-feudalism where we're all basically serfs. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how talented you, talented you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what your personal uh, drives or ambitions are. You have to fit into the hole. You have to fit to the little hole designated for you, and everybody's hole has to be equal, or somebody's going to get hurt feelings. But what it's really all about is just about creating a, a, a workforce of serfs, technological yeah. serfs, serfdom, mm-hmm. and and you know you got the people at the top who still will live high on the hog, you know, just like Animal Farm. I mean, they're the oligarchs, they're the the elite. They're the they see themselves as the new feudal overlords. Yeah, the overseers. That's exactly yeah. That's yeah. It. And the rest of us will be forced into this uh, um, this feudal society, where but it, but it, but it has trappings of socialism, trappings of communism, uh, redistribution, uh, even like a what's fair, what hurts your feelings, it's not fair, that kind of thing. And it's all designed to manipulate people into becoming complacent farm animals. Yeah. Well, it, look, look at it this way: I can hand you, you can hold out both hands and close your eyes. And I can put a, a iron chain in one hand and a gold chain in the other one. And you can open your eyes and you can be happy with that gold chain and mad at that iron chain, but they're both chains. Yeah. They're both chains in their own way. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, they're, yeah. They're, 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 what can you do with iron chain? What can you do with a gold chain? I mean, they're the same thing. They're not, they hold no real value. Right. Well, you know, people will willingly believe what they want to believe. That, that's what really gets me more than anything. I mean, people will have a certain um, indoctrinated view of reality that they've had for decades, and they will literally look at something really happening 
really absolutely truthful, factual, that doesn't uh, um, doesn't jive with their worldview that they've been taught to believe, and they will reject it outright. They'll say no, that can't be true, or that's a lie, or that's a, yeah. you know, yeah, because they they're obedient in their thought processes to such a degree that they can't see reality. Yeah, and not only that, it, it, it's it's that, and it's fear as well. Yeah. Because if you if you, it's fear, and it's also a little bit of ego too. Because nobody wants to. Oh yeah, they've been fooled. Lots, you know lots what I mean? Of ego. <laughs> if, if, if you yeah. if you think about it, if somebody's been fooling you your whole life, it, is it easier to just say, you know what? They've been fooling me my whole life, but my life's not so bad. So I'm just yeah. gonna let them keep fooling me. Or even if you were instrumental in some way, you know, yeah. politically active or or an activist for this or that, and you and you you know you see strong evidence that what you've been supporting for all this time is a bunch of crap. Yeah. It's all lies. I mean, it's all it deception. Starts, but it but, starts but, from the time you're yeah. little, from the time you're reading yeah. school books. I, I started I started looking at our school books here it, where where I'm from. Um, Rand McNally prints our school books, hmm. so I said, you know what. How much how much truth is in them? So I looked up Rand McNally and the history of Rand McNally, and right. I saw that they were owned by this holding company called AEA Capital. So I went and I said, well, what's AEA Capital? And come to find out, the people who sit on the board of AEA Capital are your Warburgs, your DuPonts, your yeah. all, all your big yeah. industrialists. So right. when you have them writing your history books, right? You, do you really think they're not going to paint the picture they want to paint? Well, not just that, but they're changing it constantly toward an obvious globalist agenda. The same agenda I was talking about where yeah. you're going to dumb everybody down, dumb everybody down, but make you think you're smart. Yeah. You know, because knowledge is power. Well, Common Core, that's what it's all about. I mean, you look at who's behind Common Core. The greatest driving force behind Common Core is the Gates Foundation. Yep. And Bill Gates, if you look at what Common Core really does – it levels the playing field where everybody's equal. There are no exceptional people. We all learn very uh, simplistic views of everything, or we convolute things so badly that it can't even things like simple mathematics that it becomes equally difficult for everyone. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's all about creating workers. Let's create some good workers for industry. Let's create some good uh, non-thinking, non-critical thinking. Um, Obedient uh, future serfs. That's Eloy. Yeah, Eloy, exactly. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at, at, at what goes on with that, then you got to go look at what Bill Gates says about world population. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, why don't you tell us what he said, Dick? Uh, well, he basically gave an equation, um, and he was putting it in the context of carbon footprint, CO2, and he basically said, now, if we do a real good job, and y'all can look this up, just yeah. go to YouTube, search Bill Gates population control, and his yeah. quotes will pop right up out of his own mouth. And he said it on, I believe he said it on TED Talks, which Ted Turner, who owns CNN, is another one. But yeah. um, he basically said, uh, if we do a real good job with vaccinations, specifically vaccinations, if we do a real good job with vaccinations, um, we can get the population down to – I forget exactly how he phrased it, but we can get it down to a manageable number. And he yeah, said it was eventually like one tenth. of these numbers is going to have to go to zero. 
Right. He's talking about population growth. You're talking about taking down, I think, I, I, I may be wrong, but I think it was 10% of, of current population. So, yeah. you know, th- this, this is all th- nice to talk about. You know, this is all theoretical. Let's just say that we did this and this. But when you, let, well, let's, let's do this instead. Instead of acting like we're all so, uh, above everybody else like these guys do. We're so intellectual. We're just having an intellectual discussion. No son of a bitch. What you're talking about is killing 90% of the world's population. Yeah. Killing. 90% of the world's population. That's what you're really talking about. And yeah. so you want this guy educating your children? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'm going to draw a real quick line for y'all. And, and it's super easy to see when when you look at it. You look at when, when the vaccinations come into these countries like that. And, and you can look at acts where people have pulled over busloads, not, not condoning this, but just saying, you look at acts where people have pulled over busloads of medical aid workers and they've taken any children off the bus and shot the whole busload full of aid workers who were there administering vaccines. Mm-hmm. And you look at people in these villages where as soon as they get the vaccine, they run out and chop their arm off above the elbow where they got it because yeah. they've seen the damage that it does. That's got to make you question why that's going on. And with him saying he wants to to uh, control the population, it goes back to the Georgia Guidestones. And if you look what that says. Yes, it does. You know what I mean? And you, oh, and yeah. you look who the Georgia Guidestones was accredited to, R.C. Christian. If yeah. you start looking up R.C. Christian, you're going to pop up Rosa Crusa, the Rosy Cross, which the exactly. Red Cross. Exactly. Who is the Red Cross? Oh, they're the ones over in these countries you know, doing these programs. It's, it's kind of freaky, you know, it is. And, and it, well, explain, explain the, maybe, maybe not. I, yeah. You know? Well, you know, explain, explain to uh, the listeners who may not know what the Georgia Guidestones are, and what they say. Um, it's a monument down in Georgia. Um, I forget the exact town or whatever, but basically it's the, it's American Stonehenge pretty much. Um, it's these huge astronomically correct, um, pillars of stone and they have they have basically new commandments on them, pretty much is what I would describe them as. Uh, keep the population down to it, it's all this, you know, certain, emotion, yeah, to a certain nice number. Stuff, take care yeah. of the environment, do this and do that. a yeah. lot of good stuff, but keep the population to a certain uh, right. No, if you look at way smaller than what it is now, yeah. If like, you look uh, at every, it's like five hundred million, I think. Yeah, is what yeah. It, it paints yeah. a pretty bleak picture. <clears throat> Well, if you look at every every command, so-called commandment on there, every one of them basically boils down to reduce the population. Yeah. Yep. And obey, obey. We're going to have one central authority, and this population will obey that authority. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the They Live movie where you know where you put the glasses on and you see all these billboards that say "Consume, buy, obey, obey." Right. I mean, that's. that's great yeah, that, that's well, I don't know. Is. You know, one one of the things that it says that I kind of like is uh, um, uh, get rid of unnecessary and petty laws as well as uh, officials. Yeah, I like that. I like that one myself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if that worked in, in our regular in our regular society, you know. Oh, uh, well, you got guys, you're speaking over each other. Try that again. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. I, I was just saying, who decides what's unnecessary and what's petty? That, right. That's that's where you got to look at it and say, I don't know, because the deciders kind of yeah. some of them have some bad intentions. Well, it, it, <laughs> it, what it seems to say to me is the same kind of thing, but it's like uh, 
um, we're going to give you a set of rules. You don't need your own courts. You don't need your own legal systems anymore. We're going to tell you what to do. That, that's how I interpret that. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, I agree with what with, with the sentiment, like like Tim says. I mean, if if it were that way, you know, yeah, let's let's cut back on you know uh, unnecessary officials and redundancies and and things in the society we have now. But don't try to kill off most of the population and then set up your own society. We don't want to play that game, right? Well, like Jim Morrison said, they got the guns, but we got the numbers. And they know yeah. that. And yeah, so they that's do. why they're trying to get that number down. And, you know, before before we go to break in about uh, eight or nine minutes, I, I did want to ask you about something because you were talking about vaccines. Um, this whole Ebola thing, to me, is very suspicious. And I'll, I'll just come out and say that because um, it, ter- it turns out that the U.S. government, including uh, the CDC, created <clears throat> a new strain of Ebola a few years back and then created a vaccine to treat it. And patent, patented both the Ebola strain and the vaccine. Have you heard this? Yeah. Yep. Well, so, it, goes, it goes to the simple question. Who benefits? Yeah. Why, why do that? Why create a new strain and a vaccine for a strain that didn't exist before? And then, oh, look, Ebola breaks out on the other side of the world. And we can't explain why people who are taking all the precautions, medical workers, you know, every possible precaution, but they're still coming down with it. You know, something is not right, guys. I'm telling you, it's yeah. just not. Well, ask yourself this. When when they treat people with um, um, copper supplements who have it, you know, you think about any time you've got a busted lip or got blood in your mouth, what's it taste like? It tastes like copper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They treat people with copper supplements. What did they just do? They just shut down the biggest copper mine over there. So mm-hmm. why would they shut down the thing that they treat people with it? Yeah. Yeah. Artificial scarcity. Get the. It, it comes down to who benefits. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I agree, man. It's, it's the same thing with bioengineered food, all the rest of it. I mean, it's all about, you know, you have a group of people who literally want to replace naturally occurring food stuffs that can reproduce on their own with their own brand, and then you know, everything that you consume is is thereby copyrighted in some way. Yeah. Owning seeds can be illegal if they deem it to be so or if you're violating their copyright, that kind of thing. It's just like people wanting to control, you know, Nestle Corporation in particular, wanting to control all the drinking water. I mean, who the hell do these people think they are? I don't know, but I got a a big old water collection barrel out here, and I hope the CEO of Nestle comes and tries to get it. We'll have a real nice talk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I was was just saying to my son the other day, you know, that never before in human history – has a leader of a nation, which is, is, this is what has happened with the NDAA and a couple other acts that the EPA has passed. Never before in human history has, has the leader of, a, of any nation, even the worst tyrants, told the people that all the rainwater that falls is mine. All the rainwater in the ditch behind your house belongs to me. Or to the government, or whatever entity you want to you want to call it, you know, never before has this happened. So, you know, people that that I guess people are just walking around asleep. They have no idea what's going on, you know, right under their own nose, right in their face, really. Um, you know, if if how many people have actually looked and seen what the NDA says, or looked at the things the EPA has been doing in the last five years? They literally have been finding every way they can to control everything we do. 
Yep, shut down the energy, shut down the coal plants, all that. Oh, yeah. And I saw a thing the other day, get this, this was a legitimate news story. The the National Park Service has a new rule that if you go onto a national park and you take photographs, did you see that? Yes. Yeah, $1,500 fee for each image they allow you to use from your own camera of a national park. They can go to hell. Yeah, that ain't happening. Exactly. It's a joke. It, now you tell it, me that's not a ty- a tyrannical system of government that is out of control. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's just crazy. It's unbelievable, and that they had the arrogance to do it. You know, it reminds me of that government shutdown a year ago. You know, that bull where they were basically shutting down monuments that belong to the people just to try to create. You know, oh, doesn't this hurt? Look what we're doing. We're doing this to you because those mean Congress people. No, asshole, you're doing it. You're yeah. doing. It. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It, it's pre- it's just pressing. It's just putting the press on people. Yeah, and people take it. They take it. Yeah, yeah. they do. It, it, because what it is, they want to see how far they can push. How far they can yeah. push, and it's it's done in increments. It's that boiling frog in the pot. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. You know, how much can we turn the heat up before y'all want to jump out? Yeah. Hey, listen, I wanted to ask you something. Speaking of, of bowling frogs, um, when you go out like hunting and fishing and you know, surviving and all that stuff, mm-hmm. what, what what are you carrying right now? I'm not going to ask about sidearms. I'm going to ask about knives. What, what What's the blade of choice right now? Uh, actually, I just sold um, pretty much my whole collection except for my top five. Um, for as long as I can remember, I've been going through the process of whittling it down to – my bare minimum, and right, right. now, um, a cold steel Bushman Good. Uh, stays in the pack. Um, Condor Village Parang stays in the pack. Um, my buddy Mike Jeffries, he's a local maker here with Two Birds Metalworks. We're working on a custom knife um, that I got an idea for, made from a 1095 high carbon steel file. Oh, nice! That was uh, it belonged to my my grandpa, and um, we're, we're going to get it down to where. It's a. It's based off a skein do, which is a Scottish uh, right. dagger. It's like a cross between a skein do and a kephart. Wow, but, that'd be cool. Thanks, but it'll act as a. Um, it'll act as a fire steel, and as my knife. So, right. like I said, it's. I'm just trying to get it down to the bare minimum. But every day, I carry a more on me. Um, they're they're just a great all around knife. They're not expensive right. and they're super durable and sharp. So, yeah. Well, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have an EDC, you need something that you know you can count on. Right, definitely. Yeah. And, and you, need, say, you need something that you're not afraid to get dirty. You know, you don't you don't want yeah. a safe a safe queen that you're like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to get it out. I don't want to get it yeah. in the mud or this or that. So, yeah, exactly. The more fits the bill. And you know that Bushman is a, a very versatile blade because you can actually make it into a spear. Yeah, um, you can. You can Rig it up where you can carry stuff in the hollow handle, and that is a tough knife. I mean, I've I've had I have a couple of those actually, one of the yeah. older ones and then one of the new ones, and uh, that is just uh, an incredible design. Oh, I love it. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be caught out in the woods without it. And speaking of making it in a spear, that was one of the contests we did. We'd have a cookout every year for cat, the Cataclysm Group, and um, one of the contests was a spear throwing contest, and um, we gave away. I can't remember if it was the Wild Edibles book or the Feral Rod that we gave away for whoever won that one. But that's what we did. We hooked up a target and uh, 
hooked the Bushman onto a, a piece of bamboo and had the spirit throwing contest out in the woods. So that's cool. Well, you know, uh, Tim Tim is a uh, is a kayak guy, but I tell you what, we need to go to break. Um, but when we come back, maybe we can talk to Tim about uh, camping and kayaking and killing critters and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> sounds good to me. I love kayaking myself. So, so stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of the Outer Edge in just a few minutes. Well, I also I want to remind our listeners that if you want to call in after uh, after this break, now's the time that's, to do so. Now's the time so, to do it. That's hey, right. Yeah. All right. We'll right be back. back in just a few minutes on the outer edge. I would like to direct this to the distinguished members of the panel. You lousy corksuckers, you have violated my Fargan rights. This Samanambaching country was founded so that the liberties of common patriotic citizens like me could not be taken away by a bunch of Fargan ice holes like yourselves. Thank you very much. All systems are functioning. Theater could be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Bill, that's me and Nancy. Hi, Caramba. Burns, and we are broadcasting live right here on the PSN Radio. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. Superman Homepage.com. It is about the implementation of the Mark of the Beast. I spoke to you about that, I think, two weeks ago. We addressed Revelation chapter 13, verses 16, 17, and 18. And he calls it all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hands 
I'm Mike Mott here with Tim Schwartz and our very special guest, Nick Keen. And when we went to break, Nick, we were talking about, uh, I brought up kayaking. I know that you and Tim both have done some kayaking. Um, so have you done any lately or what's your, what's your general, uh, uh, view of, of the sport? Oh, I, I love kayaking, but I don't do any, uh, any white water or anything like that. We just throw the kayaks in the water on the lake. And kayak to a little camping spot somewhere secluded, and and set up shop, and fish, swim, whole nine yards. So cool, nothing too yeah. action packed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm like you. I mean, I'd I'd love to uh, I'd love to give uh, a whitewater uh, uh, a chance sometime, but I don't think uh, I don't know if my kayak could quite handle that. <laughs> Have you been to Blue River up there in Indiana? No, I haven't had a chance to do that yet. Oh, you got to do that. It's awesome. It's just this nice meandering uh stream and i mean it gets crowded sometimes but for the Mm -hmm. most part it's a really good um easy going uh little trip you can make the half day in about you know probably three hours if you're really stroking about six if you're just kind of taking it easy so we like to pack a lunch and go up there and go for the day and it's a good time yeah i've been been wanting to do that so when you guys do this do you you have somebody you have a vehicle waiting for you downstream or you you know you you don't end up back where you started right you come out somewhere else well now um at, at um at blue river they they pretty much you show up they have kayaks for rent oars um you get on a bus with your oar they take you to the the entry point you take your kayak off a trailer put it in when you get to the end point you're back at the parking lot pretty much oh. Wow. And you just turn your stuff in. Um, oh, sweet. When, yeah, when we usually go, we go to like Rough River or Taylorsville or something like that, and it's a real Rough River Lake. And uh, we put in, just put in at the boat docks, and I can throw two, three kayaks in the back of my truck, go down to the boat dock, um, throw them in, park the truck, jump in, and then disappear for two or three days, and, and then come back when we're ready. Wow. Um, yeah, the last time I did any thing like this was i'm not a kayaker but uh was whitewater rafting on the river down near chattanooga called the okoe nice and it yeah it's pretty it's pretty rough it's a lot of fun and then there's a real slow lazy river nearby called the hawasti there were a lot of kayakers and inner tubers and that kind of stuff on that and that was a good float too that was a lot of fun um but it's, but it's been a while um before we go any further i, I want to remind everybody out there that the phone number tonight is 786-245-8127 give us a call and talk to nick Give him a call and uh, and share your weird stories of uh, Kentucky or West Virginia or or uh, uh, oh and also of beer because Nick is a brewer, which is cool. A- amateur, amateur brewer, dude. That's that's great though, man. And you make my kind of beer too, so that's IPAs, good. IPAs, love them. Yeah, yeah what, what what kind is that? IPAs, your mm-hmm. India Pale Ales. It's like mm-hmm. a really hoppy. Uh, yeah. It's a really hoppy variety of beers. Oh, really good kind it. of citrusy flavor a little bit sometimes. Yeah, yeah I it's love that. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a beer guy myself, you know. Yeah. I, I I love good beers. I mean, I've had you know, I've I've traveled, uh, you know, as, uh, as Mike knows. I mean, I've been all over the world and had the joy of sampling beers from every place and I taste something, awesome. you know. Well, I mean, you know, compared to 
um, you know, like the domestic brands of beer, you know, that you can just, you know, buy anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of these other beers, I mean, are just, I mean, there's just no comparison. I, yeah. mean, I came, I came back to the U.S. and I was just like, what have I been drinking all these years? And then fortunately, <laughs> well, you know, and then fortunately, then that, uh, at, at the same time was the upsurge of the whole, you know, like, uh, mini brewery, uh, market. So, I mean, you get, you you were no longer forced to uh, you know drink the uh, the basically the yellow water that these other places offering. No, it is it is. It's, uh, I don't see how people can uh, can drink that. All right, hey, we've got a caller here. Let's see if I can uh, uh, add the caller in without uh, screwing up the uh, <laughs> the call. So here we go. <laughs> okay, well I got it. Hey, caller, you're uh, listening or you're calling in to the outer edge. Who are we talking to? Well, it's Clarence. Hey, Clarence, what's going on? Well, I was just wanting to know, uh, I heard y'all talking about kayak and going out to Taylorsville. I'm kind of from the same area. Uh, and I want to know if anybody's heard any, uh, Bigfoot, uh, Sasquatch noises out there. I have a personal account, but I didn't Well, uh, we, we, we'd definitely be interested in hearing your story. Yeah, you definitely. Were. Let's hear it. Yeah. Well, I had borrowed my friend's kayak and I had gone out, uh, kind of get away from my job and bill collectors and whatnot. Well, I get out there by the boat dock, and uh, I go to launch. And from, I couldn't tell you how far, I'm not very good distance, 40, 50 yards past the tree line. Uh, I heard a loud scream. Now, I heard screams out there before, maybe the heron birds flying around. I heard a lot of grunting. Mm-hmm. And uh, very curious, I heard loud branches snapping. Now, kind of skeptic, I don't really believe in Bigfoot, but it was enough to scare the living bejesus out of me. I was wanting right. to know if uh, Nick had uh, any kind of sightings or anything like that out there. Well, no no sightings, but actually uh, this past summer we camped at uh, Taylorsville and there, there was a weird instance. I'm not sure what it was. Um, after we got to bed, uh, we're laying there in the tent at the time, and, uh, w- you know, we could hear the fish jumping and stuff. After about a half an hour listening to the fish jumping and thinking, well, we went to bed too early. We should have stayed out fishing. <laughs> we hear the biggest splash. It, it sounded like somebody threw a boulder off a bridge. And we just looked at each other like, I'm not even getting out of the tent right now. I don't even, I don't even want to know what it is. It's, I believe in Bigfoot just for the simple fact of there's so much that we don't know that I, I don't discount anything. Right. But I have no idea what caused that splash. I know it wasn't a fish jumping. If it was, it was Moby Dick. I think maybe it was a beaver tail slapping or something because I know there's nope. a lot of them. I've I've heard beaver tails slap before. It, nothing like this. Hmm. Well, I didn't know because I was uh, talking to one of my buddies down at the bait shop out that way, and you know he he tell me stories about Bigfoot this and that, and I thought it was all ridiculous. But uh, I was out there one night, and and that sound I heard, and the branches breaking and screaming, it about put the put the fear of God in me. So right. Well, so what did the, you actually heard it scream, right? Well, I'm not saying it was a Bigfoot scream, but it was, It was. I guess I kind of am saying that. Some type of holler. It was something hollering in the woods. Yeah. Something, been, something you hadn't heard before. 
Right, right. I, you know, I get out in the woods quite a bit, uh, trapping beaver pelt and, uh, you know, fishing for bluegill and this and that. Right. Uh, but it, it sounds that I've never heard before. Right. And see, that, uh, that, that is actually means something because, you know, guys like you, I mean, you spent plenty of time in the woods and you know what the normal sounds of wildlife are mm-hmm. for that area. And that so ain't here's something. Yeah, exactly. When you hear something like that, you know it's not right. I trust your judgment. Well, it was enough to make the hairs on my forearm stand up. That, that yeah. says it right there. Your, yeah, gut, no, your gut knew there was something. It just sounded yeah. un, unnatural. And you know, man. I mean, that's that's another thing that I think that people are losing touch with. You know, our our instincts are still here. I mean, we're we're not that far removed from our ancestors who used to have to deal with very dangerous stuff on a daily basis, and. uh Man, trust your instincts. When you get that weird feeling that something's not right from a sound or a smell or just a feeling like you're being watched, trust your feelings, man. Don't don't ever, you know, say, oh, it's just my imagination. Because there's a certain level of awareness, I, I believe, that has nothing to do with your conscious mind. It's it's a it's a it's a truly instinctual um under, uh awareness of what's going on around you. Yeah. So. I think I think getting out in the woods like that actually puts you closer closer in touch with it, honestly. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, like yeah. my pop said, you got to go with your gut. If something don't feel right, then, you know, maybe right. it's time to just skedaddle. That's, That's right. right. Hey, Cla- Clarence, did you feel like something was watching you? Well, not at first, but once I heard that noise and, you know, the screaming and the big brass breaking, that, I don't know if it's just me being paranoid and being scared, but. You You're know, paranoid you didn't break that branch. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I broke a branch in my pants. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was. Uh, I gotta. I'm gonna hop on off here and listen to the rest of your uh, great All show. Right, we sure right. appreciate you calling, man. That, yeah. that was right, thanks, man. thanks, man. All right, thank you. That was a good call. Definitely. Uh, well, you know, yeah. There, I mean, there have been there have been a lot of uh, uh, of sightings and reports um, on the, uh, especially on the Kentucky side uh, along the Ohio River. Uh, you know, you go from like in between, say, uh, Evansville to to Louisville, and there's a lot of areas there. I mean, it's just you know, it's dense. It's just, huh? Well, it's it's dense, and uh, you know, there's a lot of swampy areas. You know, a lot, not a lot of easy access. Uh, uh, to get there, yeah, and uh, you know the, the the few people who do live in some of those you know the nearby areas. I mean, right. I th- you know, there's there's a lot of them who. I mean, it's it's common knowledge that there's stuff walking around out there that yeah know, yeah <laughs> you don't well, talk about. Yeah, well, here, here's the thing too. I mean, we talked about this. I don't remember which show it was, but it wasn't that long ago. In the majority of the United States, North America, there are huge areas all over the. United States, especially where there are forests, where people have still never set foot, or if they have, it's been very seldom. Um, it's not like you know Europe, which is all crammed in together, and people have lived there in that really confined area for thousands of years. It's really the wide open spaces. You know, anybody who comes here from from Europe for the first time and actually has to drive it and get around it, they're just they're, they're almost uh, stunned to see what we take for granted with all the wide open spaces around us all the time. And oh, there, yeah. are thing, there are things out there. There, you know, Obviously, there are areas out there where people never go. And so you have to wonder if things that, don't want, that want to avoid us, if that's not where they, they gravitate to, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But uh, guys, let me give the number out again. It's 786-245-8127. I don't know what happened earlier. I think a few brain cells uh, fell over sideways or something. But uh, 786-245-8127. So anybody else wants to call in, give us a call and uh, tell us what uh, what's on your mind. But, yeah, uh, hey, you know, it's almost 2 o'clock in the morning, Mike. So, I mean, you know, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll catch you a little slack here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, especially after dealing with uh, uh, Hell Chicken today. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I listen, I listen to that part of the uh, part of y'all show. That's something else we had in common. We had chickens for a while. We uh, we had the rooster. He got attacked by a hawk, so we had to give him the old yellow treatment. But uh, yeah, after that, bad. we passed the root, the chicken rest of the chickens on to a family friend. And they got them now. So it was interesting though when we had them. So well, look, I mean, I like them when everything's going good and they're giving me five eggs a day. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. That's about what we're getting. Yeah, but uh, I'm going to have to get a few more now. It looks like maybe I'll get. Hopefully, I won't get another psychotic chicken because this chicken was actually seriously psychotic. Deranged. Get some. Get some, uh, get some guineas. Well, you know the thing about. Oh, guineas, I, lo- I love guineas. I- I've got a neighbor that had some, and every, <laughs> every guinea she had, she had a whole bunch of them, and some kept getting them. So she she put up uh, some some game cameras. And they captured pictures of the largest bobcats you ever saw going through and over an electric fence to get oh, to those wow. guineas. Oh, and they God. would come every, every night until they wiped out every one of them. Wow. But my, see, my, my chickens are in the yard. And in that yard, I have four dogs, three of whom are of extremely large size. And the dogs have been taught to leave the chickens alone. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to go after anything that comes near the chickens. Mm-hmm. So the chickens pretty much roam wherever they want to because there's always dogs, you know, lying around out there. And, uh, you know, I'm just expecting them to wander off a little too far. And the last two I had to get plucked. <laughs> well, the nice thing, the nice thing about guineas is that nothing's going to come into your yard without them letting you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, they're, they're, they're better, they're better than geese when it comes to that. Yeah. And, uh, when I had when I had guineas and oh they're the best uh, they're the best snake killers too. Yeah, you know, I mean uh, when I when I had them, I mean those things would uh, they'd surround a snake and and of course let the entire neighborhood know that there was a snake in the yard, and then they would proceed just to uh, take it out. You know what y'all were talking about earlier about the close relationship between chickens and dinosaurs of old and reptiles and stuff. It, right. it really does ring true. Um, I handled some some geese before, and if you look at the skin on their legs, it looks yeah. like how dinosaur skin is is depicted. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean I could see them being descended from birds. Oh yeah, if you, if you look at like so, you know vice versa. Yeah, if you look at the the necks, the way they move their neck, like a goose or a goose, the longer the neck, especially because more obvious, but something like a goose or a swan. And how they move their necks. Yeah. But when you watch a swan, like, dipping its neck and stuff, mm-hmm. you think of, like, a brontosaurus or something like that. It's like, well, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you know? it's, it's pretty wild. That, yeah. that kind of makes me think of, uh, speaking of, we were talking about music earlier. I did a feature for one of my buddies, uh, and I name-checked uh, Quexicado. Yeah. And if you know, you're familiar with Quexicado, the feathered oh, serpent. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And that kind of, uh, I mean, it goes back to the blending of the two, you know. Yeah. Hey, and you know, another thing I wanted to mention is that uh, that last uh, intro back into the show we had was playing one of your songs, um, A Revelation. We played it. Oh, yeah. That's a great tune. Yeah, that's a very cool tune. 
Appreciate it. Yeah, my buddy John Boy, uh, John Duke made the uh, the track for it. I, all I did was give him the little snippet of Pastor Langford's sermon, and uh, yeah. and he took it and built the whole track around it, and it it sounded like I don't know. It, it's like his sermon. He had a certain rhythm to the way he spoke that it almost sounded like he did it to the beat. It was uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And, you know, it had sort of that. Uh, apocalyptic message you know kind of like what we've been talking about tonight on some of this stuff oh yeah yeah i I really think that we are at a transformative point like never before but i don't think it's an accident i think there are people who are pushing real hard to try to destroy existing systems so that they can replace them with something that they that they desire to be in place i can see that but you know what they say for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction there you go and i'm yeah. see, i'm seeing that too i'm seeing people waking up faster oh, yeah. than they yes. ever had before and and starting to get back to nature or starting to ask questions and dig into books and stuff for themselves so it's you know maybe it's a good thing maybe it's a bad thing we're yet to see it's down the road still a little bit yeah there's a there's definitely some upheaval coming yeah, I believe so. Well, I mean, you know, even uh, even if it's not something that is going to happen soon, I mean, I just think that it's a great idea for people to to do that, to get back into nature, to 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 learn more about you know, what's going on around them, rather than just you know staying in their house all day watching Dancing with the Stars or whatever. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you think about. You know, you think about all the stuff that I mean, you know, we would just call weeds, you know, growing in your yard, right? And you know, it's like Yule Gibbons used to say, you know, many parts are edible. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just you know, not that many people know that. Yeah, no, they don't. It's the buffet every day. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got this huge tree out here in the yard. I guess it's oh man, sixty, seventy feet away from from where I'm sitting, and it's a chestnut tree. But most people who saw it, you know, the chestnut is, is covered in this thick, I wouldn't call it a shell, that nut's actually inside this thick um, package, I guess you could call it. Yeah. It looks like looks, it looks like fruit, but it's got these stickers all over it. It's covered. <laughs> and boy, let me tell you something. You grab that with your hand, you'll know it. You step mm-hmm. on it, you sure know it. And so most people, when they come across this plant, they have no idea what it is, and they won't even venture past that sticky surface to you know to uh obtain the goodness that is within but uh boy the squirrels sure know what it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's 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 not that's nothing over trying to get uh, the meat out of a uh, black walnut (laughs) or a hickory nut Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so at least the black walnuts. We're actually we're gonna try to harvest some this year. We got some last year that were edible, but we're gonna try to take the uh, the 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 basically make dye from the husks of them this year, and hopefully be able to dye a little tarp or a little uh, little canvas cloth with it. Hopefully, cool. Oh, now that's 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 interesting. How uh, how would you go about doing that? Well, when you're when you're making a shelter tarp. Um, from what I've read so far, you need to boil it in linseed oil for a couple of days to mm. make it waterproof. Mm. And somewhere along the line, you take those those walnut husks, and you know how when you touch them, you, you get 
you know, your oh, fingers yeah. stain up real bad. Well, <laughs> it's right. pretty much the same thing. That, that'll do the same thing to some material. So you basically submerge them in it and just let it soak. Huh, that's interesting. That's very that's interesting. And what, yeah, we'd what's we'd always we'd always go and take the, our, our our black walnuts and you know put them in the driveway and you know run over them with the car for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, to get to get the to get the husk off of them, you know, yeah. <laughs> and a little a little grit to go with them. Yeah, well, I mean, oh, 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 well, if you've ever tried to break in, that just takes off, you know, that, that green husk on the outside. If you ever tried to break into a black walnut, I mean, you need a sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. Nick, what color dye are you getting out of them? Uh, it's a dark brown. It's, it's, um, it's real similar to the old skin tarp that we use, uh, from what I've seen. Uh, it's a real dark, kind of natural, uh, brown. And I'm hoping, I still have more reading up to do on it, but uh, I'm hoping to be able to get it to where it's not a real uniform dye. I, I want it to right. look kind of uh, splotchy here and there, maybe blending right. the surroundings a little bit better. So, Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can as I go. So, yeah, cool, I, like, I like that idea. <laughs> so uh, what, what's, on your, uh, what's on your plate for the next uh, couple months? You got, you got something big coming up? Uh, we got the mammoth trip coming. Um and then we missed the Mothman Festival. We were hoping to head out to the Mothman Festival, um, but we had a bunch of stuff going on that weekend, so we weren't able to make it. So we're definitely doing that next year. Um, we just had a, uh, a Pioneer Day at the historical Farnsley Mormon home um, last weekend. We actually missed that one, too. Uh, we try to go every year, but it's uh, that's always a good time. It's always interesting. They do, like, a reenactment of a... Civil War, or not Civil War, but um, uh, a battle from that era where it was the Indians and the settlers fighting and stuff. And right, uh, they have people basically living for the weekend the way they did from that era. Uh, you know, the blacksmiths out there and, and the people that are—they have the loom set up and they're making shirts out of flax, uh, flax, and uh, right. whole nine yards, and you can bring kids through there, and they give you the rundown of the history and whole nine yards. So it's, it's a cool. good time, and it's right on the banks of the Ohio. So, yep, it's always fun. sounds sounds like you got a lot of uh, opportunities to to uh, delve into a lot of stuff pretty close to where you are. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good city. I, I enjoy it for sure. Um, I know with the Cataclysm Group, we're doing a, a Bushcraft Basics Day. Um, I think it's the, the first or second weekend of October where all the members can bring their kids out and uh, we show them the five C's of survivability um, that's based on Dave Canterbury's uh, 10 C's of survivability. And it's your basic five. It's um, cutting, combustion, uh, cover, a container, and cordage. And we show them safe use of a knife, um, how to start a fire, um, how to make a, a shelter out of debris or out of, um, like a poncho, something like that. Um, yeah. how to, how to process local vegetation into cordage and, um, how to boil water and how to obtain clean water, um, in, in a situation like that where you don't have any right on hand. So right. that'll, be, that'll be the things we're showing the young ones. Cause that's, I mean, so many people have gotten away from the outdoor stuff that it's like, if you don't instill it in the kids while they're young, they're just going to be stuck on an iPad their whole life. So yeah, 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 that's right. Well, you know, I mean, those those are great things that 
everybody should know how to do. They they should. They should. Yeah. Everybody. Yep. That's right. And and so when you uh when you do your your fire started stuff, what are the different techniques you you teach them? Um we we'll probably start them off with the ferro rod or right. or a marbles match safe or something like that. Um I have uh flint and steel and some char cloth set up to where if they want to try that they're more than welcome to. Um, I'm still learning myself. I, I spent <laughs> probably an hour today trying to get a bow drill going. Oh, uh, still haven't man. had any luck. <laughs> still haven't had any luck with that yet, but I'm working on it. Uh, I got smoke from a hand drill and some nice little calluses out of it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so far uh, flint and steel is my favorite. Uh, my wife's got really good eyesight, so she's always picking out flint and stuff and bringing it. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and you're lucky you live in an area where you've got a lot of mountainous terrain and so you have a lot of a lot of mineral stuff that you can kind of look through for different stuff yeah definitely we we got a nice little uh a nice little bunch of it but yeah it's it's fun it's just fun learning you know and showing them how to make the little bird's nest and everything get their fire so yeah i think it'll be a good time and it's not too strenuous it's like maybe iron a half hike round trip and five little stops to show them how to do each different uh each different item or each different C that's in the five C's. So, yeah. Yeah. That sounds cool. And, and, you know, it's kind of like, uh, the boy scouts just seem to be, look, man, the boy scouts have been so vilified. So, uh, attacked on so many levels by people who really aren't interested in boy scouts anyway, but, uh, it's good that there are people out there who are going to teach, who are going to teach young people how to do these very basic survival things. Definitely. Because guys, Guys, I, I was a Boy Scout for a little bit. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. But. I, I was too. That's okay. Yeah, I, I I actually was all into it when I was a kid, and and then I was in the Boy the Boy Scouts, and I went to a meeting, and we had this big lecture about citizenship and being the good guy and doing everything right and honor and integrity. And then he said, "Okay, guys, you guys go outside, and blow off some steam." So I went out with these guys, and they started throwing rocks at streetlights, and I said, "Uh huh, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm out of here." But, uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, but, you know, I, I just look at, at the way things are going, and I have to say, you know, see, let's not be indelicate here, but uh, <laughs> if you live in a major metropolitan area and your electricity goes off for a week and maybe at about the same time uh, they decide that the EBT system doesn't work anymore, I hope you know how to get out of town and for yourself heat yourself and yeah because otherwise you're gonna be in trouble yeah that's right right. well uh gentlemen unfortunately we are almost out of time so um why don't you uh uh, uh, if you got a website or anything like that you want to uh tell our listeners uh that they can uh, um, see more about you yeah they can uh search us out on cataclysm provisions on facebook and um and that's about it. Uh, other than that, catch me in the woods. So, but hey, but you, you've you've also got a writing group too, right? Yeah, uh, we got horror fiction. Little, actually, we got four groups. We have Cataclysm Provisions for the you know the current events, conspiracies, survival stuff like that. Uh, we have horror fiction Louisville for the writing, and that's anybody's welcome to put stories on there. You know, whatever. Yeah. Just send the little invite and we'll get you on there and then we have a um, wood booger moon drops which is it's an outdoor page which is just people take pictures of animals bugs 
sunsets, whatever, um, mixed in with a little bit of Bigfoot stuff. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. So Sounds right. good, man. Cool. That's great. All right. Well, Nick, thank you very much. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. It's been a good time. Yeah, we we enjoyed it. I'll catch you on the conspiratorial side. All right. Y'all see y'all around. All right. right, Take care now. Bye. All right. Take it easy. All right, Mike. That's it for uh, this uh, edition of The Outer Edge. Yeah, that was a good show. Yeah, it was. Uh, Out of time now and going to have to wrap it up. So uh, next week, I think uh, we're going to try to get Walter Bosley back on again. Yeah, we're going to try to get Walter on. Walter's a good guy and uh, I got to get some info from him, but we're going to get this going and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think he's got a couple new books coming out. So, All right, man. Have a good week. You as well, and to our listeners, thanks for listening. Be sure to tune again, tune in again this time next week for more of The Outer Edge. So until then, we will see you somewhere on the edge of the abyss. Good night. Be careful of what you say. Be careful in every way. Be careful of what you do Big Brother is watching you Be circumspect and discreet Stay light on your mental feet One slip and you know you're through Big Brother is watching you